1: Welcome into the Barrett My name is Matt Workman. As always, I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, there's a lot of news this week in the uh, Baylor sphere.
2: Yeah, there's uh, there's been like a, a lot of moving parts. It's been a fun little uh, distraction from the fact that we don't have any of the two majors of football and basketball going on right now. Yeah,
1: I and mean, we do have Baylor sports. It's just...
2: I'm not I, a college baseball fan. I uh, Me either. Or just, softball. I'm just not a big college baseball fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah college baseball, college way. softball. I've just never been able to get into it. Yeah.
1: So I don't have a lot to add. They're tonight's along. opening
2: night in in the majors, and like historically, baseball has been my favorite sport of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I love Major League Baseball, but. With everything that's happened like i'm i'm not even that excited to watch the astros tonight H- I mean hints, that pause hints, that
1: they put on for yeah. a month or whatever it was
2: hence why i'm going to be recording through the first pitch so
1: okay <laughs> um i think the the biggest piece of news that did happen was i haven't i have it um, numbered differently in our notes but mac Rhodes 10-year extension was huge
2: yeah, I think I'll agree with you there. Like we'll we'll grab number two first. Yeah. Um from, from the notes. Uh yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, I have I have worked directly for folks that have worked with Mac Rhodes and uh I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him. He's he's been everything that the school uh, our athletics program, the fan base could ever ask for in an athletic director, especially given the time that he came in and righted the ship. He's made two stellar, you know, uh, hires at football. He's made an amazing hire in women's basketball. Uh, I, I have all the faith in the world that um, he's the the right guy to have at the helm, especially through the ever changing landscape of college athletics. With realignment and tv deals um he's kind of part of the big triumvirate of athletic directors in the big 12 that kept the hateful eight together it was yeah him uh kirby hokut from texas tech and jamie pollard from iowa state are kind of like the three the three-headed dragon if you will of of power brokers in this conference now uh, he's he's been an athletic director multiple times in Texas now being from the university of Houston. So he has relationships with uh, another school that's about to join. He was the athletic director at Missouri, which means he's got still probably very strong ties to people that are working um, in administrations in the sec. So uh, he's a well-respected dude just has done a stellar job. And it's, it's great to see that he wants to stick around the school committed to him and the language around the extension was, this is something that they believe will allow him to end his career at Baylor. So it's, it looks like he and his family um, are in it for the long haul. And I couldn't be more excited about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with what you're saying. And I think I was, I was trying to think of the other big Twelve ads or the ones that are remaining. And I think for, for the most part, except for the ones that you mentioned, they're all relatively
2: new. Yeah, there's there's nobody that really TCU's,
1: sticks out. He is relatively new because
2: – Donati, De, I think. Del Conte is went name. to
1: Texas. Uh, Kansas State, relatively new. Kansas is like brand new. He came in, I think, this year, I think. Um. Yeah, I think they're all pretty – well, they don't have the 10-year – that those three but also like Matt kind of went through a it was kind of like trial by fire whenever he came in when he did so he's like tested for sure.
2: Absolutely and I, I heard a lot about how okay. his family loved living in Texas um, when he was at U of H and that was a, a big driver for him that a power five school in the state of Texas came open because it's not every day that you see an athletic director leave an SEC school to yeah. go to a to go anywhere let alone a let's be honest a historically mid-tier athletic program that is mired in scandal at the time with its biggest and most uh uh profitable sport so you know there was i think a lot there with the religious aspect of baylor as a school its location what his family wanted to do so yeah he's um, really into um
1: involved in like catholic church um and while it is a baptist school i think you can kind of get away i wouldn't say get away you can have more freedom to express those views your religious views openly at baylor than at other yeah
2: 100 percent. it can be ingrained as part of your messaging right yeah. it's you know dabo swinney can you know can talk about god all he wants clemson's not going to get mad at him about that but yeah. you're not going to find Clemson- there is a
1: different place though
2: that's true, but it's still a public school and
1: well, no, no, but but what you're not going to find
2: is you're not going to find like Bible verses ingrained yeah. in athletic marketing.
1: And also Missouri, you know, it's, it's, it prides itself on its journalism school. So you're going to have a lot more, maybe people who think on a little bit more left leaning since you are talking about journalism aspect. So they may be not as open to talking openly about your faith.
2: Yeah, I think it's a I think that's a general thing at at, at public schools. And I think it's a lo- a reason why a lot of people uh, student-wise choose to go to Baylor. And yeah. I think it's why some of the coaches that we have here, like I Scott Drew, I think, you know, that's a great example. Honestly, when I was talking to my friends that are outside of Baylor going back to the Jerome Tang hire at Kansas State, I told everybody that I knew, I was like, I would I would honestly be surprised if he went to a public school. I expect him to leave. I kind of in the back of my head thought, hey, Georgetown's open. Maybe that would be a place he would go. Um, and I was like, I'll be surprised if he actually takes the Kansas State job because of that. I figured he would want to go somewhere that wasn't a public school, but uh, that's what he chose. But yeah, I think uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago about how for a lot of guys, the religious factor at Baylor is a feature, not a bug. Yeah.
1: And we're going to put a pause on that because it kind of leads into the third thing we're going to talk about. We'll jump back to – we'll jump into recruiting. Um, Baylor got a big recruit um, out of the transfer portal, uh, linebacker from LSU, Josh White. Um, do you have any uh, – did you keep up with the, this whole process or what was going on or do you have anything – Opinions about this particular uh, Recruitment
2: I did the moment I saw that he was available I was Like oh let's 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 make that happen He's from and, the Houston area right And I went and I had immediately looked When I saw that he was in the transfer Portal I went to his 247 profile Page and uh, He was Recruited his secondary Recruiter was a guy named Dave Aranda which yes. I think Most Baylor fans know Um, that was the secondary recruiter though. The primary recruiter at LSU for him was a guy named Dennis Johnson, who is also at Baylor. So the two main players in his recruitment to LSU were both on the Baylor staff. So I was, I was like, he's also, he's from the Houston area. He's from, uh, Cypress, which is right around where I grew up, Mm -hmm. um, suburb of Houston. So coming back to Texas. And so I was just sitting there, I was like, this is, this is ours to get, uh, based on the relationships we have, our location. So when we got the official word that yeah he had he had decided to transfer to Baylor, he was committed. I I was ecstatic. Uh, he's a bit undersized, but crazy athletic. Everything that I've yeah. read about him is he's a, just an elite level linebacker that is a kind of a perfect fit for what Aranda likes to do. Um, and just based on his measurables and what I've seen, he kind of honestly reminds me of Terrell Bernard.
1: He's like an immediately like plug and play like, two-yard yeah. order replacement.
2: Yeah, I mean he was a he was a uh, you know the n- number twenty-four overall recruit in the state of Texas a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, the, he was a a top ten linebacker in the country. So this is a this is a, a major get. So um, I think you, I uh, think it's a huge boost.
1: The, um, our daily podcast with Pope and.
2: I have not listened to it yet.
1: There's a section on there. Coffee talks about him. Like, um, he was an anchor leg in the 4 by 100 relay in high school.
2: I mean, and and that's a linebacker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a linebacker. And I know, like, on – there's been – at practice at LSU, you know, they use the GPS stuff, the same thing Baylor does. Like, he was clocked at practice – top speed of 22 miles an hour so like uh he's a type of guy and coffee goes into this like he can take a rock wrong step and then recover because he has that kind of athleticism
2: he was the he was the houston defensive player of the year and he also was his uh defensive mvp in his district so i mean he the dude comes with a pedigree and you know you know you don't have the rating that he had and have offers from Alabama and LSU without being the real deal. So this is just huge for the program. And every single time something like this happens, it, for me, another big thing about it is it signals to other kids that, Hey, Baylor might be a place to go. Every single time one of these kids comes, that's, that's, you know, it's an advertisement for what, what, Ron Roberts and Dave Aranda are doing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and for offensive kids, knowing you can come to a place yeah. where your defense is going to hold their own for you.
1: Yeah. Another thing that helped, I don't know if you saw this, but like Patrick queen, who's a Ravens linebacker played at LSU. He got like quote tweeted. Um,
2: the competitive it like maturity.
1: It was, yeah. It was an interview with a, uh, yeah, that, that I think we may have been just that clip we yeah. talked about. And he said like, you know, this is the best coach I ever had which is also great for like recruiting on to have that type of talent talking about our head coach being like the best coach he ever had.
2: Yeah. It's amazing that every time there's a soundbite or a clip of Aranda, it almost kind of goes viral because every coach out there is like, they give the like the screaming emoji around everything that he ever says.
1: Now let's, let's jump into the big 12 big story of the week, which I guess just was just maybe yesterday was when it dropped about big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby is stepping down from that role. Um, and his apparently his replacement will be in relatively quickly. I think um, Texas tech, I think it was the, I don't know if he's a president or, or Kobe Ho, or Polka who said um, like 90 days, I have the replacement in place.
2: That tells me that this has been planned. Um, I think I, it wouldn't surprise me in the least that after the Oklahoma, Texas news broke the, the presidents and eighties kind of got together and were like, okay, dude, like you didn't, you, you haven't kept the conference together. Yeah. <laughs> Bad stuff just keeps happening. We, we're going to have to know, figure the out. The grand
1: rats is coming up. We, you know, we want someone else to kind of lead that. Negotiation. Yeah. We
2: need somebody. We need, we need a wartime you know, a wartime commissioner.
1: So, I mean, we have to negotiate with ESPN and you uh, kind of burned a lot of bridges with ESPN after the whole Texas and uh, Oklahoma thing with cease and desist and all that stuff that happened.
2: I don't think anybody's losing any sleep over Bob Bowlesby stepping down. No. I did see a hilarious joke.
1: I mean, during that time, it could have collapsed and he held, but I think he had help with, those three ADs that we talked about previously kind of holding everyone else together and yeah, I don't, not let people skip,
2: skip. I don't out. give Bullsby any credit for, for everybody sticking together at all. I, I did see, I did see a hilarious joke from an Oklahoma fan though, that said, uh, is he going to have to pay a fee for leaving early? Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think at this point the president would probably pay him more to leave sooner.
2: Yeah. I, I uh... There, I don't think there's a soul that's associated with the Big Twelve Conference that that isn't happy that we're going to get a change. I know that the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Grass isn't always greener on the other side. All the cliches yeah. we can think of, but I, I, I don't need bowls me in my life anymore.
1: Yeah, we're moving into this new era of college football with with you know NIL in full swing, we have the media. Everything's going to change as far as the media landscape in college football and so you, I think you want someone maybe more of a new guard as far as dealing with media rights and all that that goes along with that so I mean I don't know who you would really pinpoint as a candidate I've, I've read a lot of things but those are kind of just I mean guesses based on the status quo has been that we've done in college athletics for you know, at least the last you know thirty or forty years.
2: Yeah, I am not intelligent enough to even think about creating a list of possible candidates no. of of how that even happens. I'm just going to trust, you know, whoever whoever this group decides to to put out there. I'm like, the, okay, it
1: be the presidents. I believe. Would, yes, I think it's, it's the hour. school
2: presidents. Yeah, most of them, I believe, will generally defer to their athletic directors.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I saw something today. The they're like, I think it was on like the Sikkim 365 radio. They're like, could Linda Livingstone be a candidate?
2: I mean, I guess she, she could. does
1: have an athletic background. Yeah. And she's involved in all these meetings and everything as a president of a Big 12 school.
2: Yeah, I would almost say you go outside and you find somebody. Th- I-, I would almost want to lean towards somebody that has mostly media experience
1: yeah that's what i was thinking too unless you can get someone
2: you know or you go grab a i I guess there's probably like deputy commissioners and and stuff from or
1: i mean like like last last or whatever they hired bullsby he was ad at stanford i believe i think you're right so i think you'd like i saw someone's mentioned like greg byrne who's the ad at alabama Like do you go or People who aren't like you talked about who Oliver Luck, I've seen that around and that kind of makes a lot of sense to me.
2: I, I don't know how I feel about Oliver Luck.
1: Well, I mean, he's been in the NCAA office, he's been in, you know, professional sports, he's been an AD in the Big 12. So he has experience in a wide range of positions within college athletics and athletics in general.
2: Yeah. I mean, his name makes sense, but he's, he's very, he's still very old guard to me. Yeah.
1: And then they bring him on to be like special advisor or something. Yes. Last year, I mean, not too long and ago. And I
2: think wasn't he the commissioner of one of the failed football leagues?
1: The XFL. Yeah. Yeah, he was the commissioner.
2: So and I, I think don't he's know. Been
1: not he like a? Didn't he run like a, a soccer team in Houston? Like, was he the GM know. or something?
2: I don't remember if he was so we have the dynamo and the dash. I don't remember dynamo. I don't know if he ever worked for the dynamo. I mean he Um, played for the Oilers.
1: Yeah. And and they lived here.
2: That's why I mean Andrew Lux from went to Stratford, which is in Houston. So
1: let's see what old uh, Google has to say.
2: What old Google has to say. Let's see. see. Can I go faster than you? Because you're on your phone
1: and
2: uh, let's so, see all yeah. of luck
1: houston dynamo president and general manager from 05 to 2010
2: gotcha yeah all right well
1: there you go then ncaa then xfl as an executive you know that doesn't count oh, yeah he was
2: the ceo of the houston sports authority before that NFL yeah he worked his, his job at the ncaa was he was the executive vice president for regulatory affairs until 2018
1: yeah He's a GM at some NFL Europe teams. And then uh, West Virginia. Yes. So, it's a name. It's out there. He's assisted in some capacity recently, so you never know.
2: Well, we certainly will see in the next 90 days.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so, a lot of people are saying that's kind of like what spurred the or why the news dropped about the Mac roads thing because a lot of people looked at him as a possible commissioner candidate considered what he's done within the Big 12 since he's been here, not just with Baylor and then more recently with the whole realignment thing with Texas and OU. But you know that's a that's a long contract extension.
2: Yeah that's 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 a that's a commitment. Yeah. Quick thing on Oliver Luck. One hilarious thing on his Wikipedia page is under children. It says four, including Andrew Luck. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the other three.
1: <laughs> uh, we've also had some other staff changes in the football team. Uh, Brian Nance, Baylor alum, was a Baylor football player. they been in the recruiting player personnel department since he left baylor basically and he's moving on to texas tech
2: he was i mean brian nance was one of the biggest recruits we ever got when he came to play for
1: us trinity
2: yep and then hargrave military yeah and uh i actually knew a guy that went to hargrave that's a tough place but he was the I mean, he was the number two outside linebacker. He was the number seven recruit in the country.
1: Yeah. Big time. Like,
2: or sorry, the number seven recruit in Texas. Um, you know, that was just I remember I remember getting him and think like that was that was part of the era of like, oh man, we're starting to get guys now. And then of course yeah. everything everything fell apart a couple of years after that. But it was uh, you know, it was great to see him go from player to being on the staff with multiple head coaches, both Matt rule and Dave Aranda, keeping him on. Um, I think he's moving to tech to be in the role of director of player development, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think and so. uh, you know, I sent him a message on Twitter and I was like, I'm stoked for you and your family. Like, I think it's huge. Um, anytime a guy leaves to go get a better gig, you know, a promotion and um the ability to further, further their career, make more money, get into things like I'm never going to be upset about that for a guy moving up and doing the right thing for himself and his family. Um, so I'm stoked for him. It sucks that we're losing him, but he's a guy that played at Baylor. He's now coached at Baylor. Uh, I mean, he's I,
1: covered pretty much the whole gamut. So like, he was recruited by Bryles, played for Bryles, played for rule, worked for Aranda, worked for rule.
2: Yeah. Worked for Rule and Aranda. Yeah. So he's in grobe. Like he was, he was there for grobe yeah. too. Yeah. And, and God, yes. he, uh, so I mean, he's, he's, he's as Baylor as you can get, man. So, uh, sucks to see him go. Um, and it's, I feel it's a little bit dangerous because I think he's a, a great dude and a, he's going to be a really, really good coach. So I don't like seeing Joey McGuire getting even more firepower, but hey, man, more power to people for uh, for doing the right thing for themselves and their family. So, uh, Godspeed, Brian Nance, and I just hope you lose one game a year.
1: Yeah. But um, they did replace him today.
2: Oh, I haven't seen, seen this news.
1: Okay, so Baylor hired Brian. Hold on, let me pull it up. I don't want to butcher his name. Um, he most recently took a job with Michigan State, and so we hired him away from Michigan State. It is Blaine Goche.
2: Okay.
1: He uh, played – he was a quarterback for University of Louisiana Lafayette. He – You ever
2: been to Lafayette?
1: Uh, every day. <laughs> he uh, was on the staff at LSU with um, – during the – you know, for multiple coaches, but during the 2019 season, you know, with Aranda, he was at McNeese State as an on-the-field coach. Took a position, Michigan State, and then we hired him from that to be a player person, director, assistant director of player personnel.
2: Well, there we go. Welcome to the the Bear family. Yeah. Um, Did you see we, we made another addition to the football team today, too?
1: Oh, yeah, the
2: tight end. Matthew Klopfenstein from Arizona, the number eight overall recruit from the state of Arizona four-star according to 247
1: yeah i'm glad you said his name because uh i was kind of worried about it <laughs> i to pronounce it but yeah so we're quickly becoming a place where tight ends want to because we get a good tight end like every class it seems like
2: well we throw to them
1: and i think the offense like like you just said offense uh is very uh utilizes the tight end very well
2: yeah, it's I think there was a it was the mic'd up they did with Sean Bell a couple of weeks ago uh, where I think it was Ben Sims. Said, uh, you want to win throw to the tight end. <laughs>
1: That's it. You know, we hand him the ball. Remember that? I love that play at Texas where it's kind of like a
2: tight end jet sweep. <laughs> <laughs> the tight end jet sweep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we utilize tight ends. And so.
2: I don't know if we could call that a jet sweep. That's a prop plane sweep.
1: It's I don't know. I don't know. It's like kind of like a, a puddle jumper sweep. A,
2: a, a glider sweep.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it was like at the very when I got to the very end of the line, I'm gonna fall across the goal line yeah. <laughs> As soon as I get past the tackle or a tie it in. Um so spring football still going on. Let me get back to my notes here. Um have you heard anything or do you have any, any kind of uh, enlightenment you've gained from the practices or anything that's been going on?
2: No, just to talk about competition. Yeah. Um, I, you know, going back to what we mentioned earlier with the clip around Aranda talking about competitive maturity, that was, yeah. that was awesome. It was very much an iron sharpens iron, iron kind of thing where it's not, you know, Aranda was really talking about what he's trying to ingrain in the kids is that it's not you versus you it's, you know, all of us together to get better and when you're competing for playing time you're trying to make the other person better and when you make them better then their job is to try to make you better and at the end of the day whoever wins it's because that's what's best for the team um so I, you know i'm i trust this staff so much and whatever they throw out there i'm going to say all right i fully support it and that's that's what we got to do
1: yeah so the the only thing that I've – a couple things I've heard is um, quarterback battle is is definitely that, like you were talking about, it's a battle. Um, just like in pro day, Gary's been – had. Um, it seems like he has more zip on his throws, so that's good. Um, but shapin's right there. Um, on the running back front, it looks like Tay McWilliams and kind of Craig Wo- Craig Williams – are getting most of the, the first reps. So that's interesting.
2: You know, another interesting thing around the running backs is I, uh, in the latest um, mic'd up that I saw was juice Johnson and Ebner was there. And so I, I, I don't know if he's a grad assistant or what he's doing, but Ebner was in the video, like at practice. So, I wonder if he's also still working with the running backs too.
1: Was that pro but, day? Cause they're all there at practice on pro day.
2: No, it was, it was an actual practice that he was okay. mic'd up at. And Ebner wasn't in pads or anything. He was, he was in street clothes and and the other guys were in pads practicing and he was there with them. Um, so I'm wondering if, if he's participating at all. But yeah, I have heard Tamek, I've heard really, really good things about Tamek Williams. And that's kind of who I expect to be um, probably the lead workhorse at running back.
1: To me, the most interesting, the couple interesting things is the the wide receiver. That's going to be other than quarterback, really. That's the most interesting position, just because everyone's young. Just I mean, young in the sense of experience. Um, other because I mean, you do have players like um Gavin Holmes, who's been here since twenty seventeen, and so he's he's in his twenties. And, um, but he's, uh, had had a lot of playing time due to injury and then behind him, there's there's just a bunch of young guys.
2: Yeah. And I've also heard that, um, Oh, I'm blanking on his name again. I hope I don't continue to do this. Armani Winfield. Uh, I've heard he's the real deal too. the, uh, the, the commit that we stole from Texas this year.
1: Yeah, I think I heard his name. I definitely heard his name. And also, I think it was how Presley was doing good, but but he injured his foot. So I think he's out for the rest of spring. Um, But you just have a bunch of young guys that uh, are battling for spots, but they're all talented, Doc. So it's just... And they all bring... I
2: I feel like a lot of them bring different skill sets. Yeah, for sure. It's a very diverse group of skills.
1: What they... How the offensive staff kind of cobbles that together and who you know how they put those guys in in positions to make an impact.
2: I think I'm most excited for next year on how they deploy Fleeks.
1: Yeah, cuz he he did move to the running back position. But he's more of a shifty change of direction back.
2: Yeah, I feel like you're going to throw to him a lot out of the back. Yeah. Like he's going to be a screen pass kind of guy.
1: I mean, the only thing I would worry about him, which I don't know if they'll put him in this position would be like um pass pro which he you don't do a lot of it wide receiver
2: yeah i mean but our wide receivers historically block yes yes like, they do. especially in the grime system you're expected to block so yes um but i will say i i wouldn't surprise me if we scheme it to where when he's back there he he motions out of the slot a lot as well
1: for sure absolutely because i mean also part of the grime system is we're going to do a lot of motions and movement so right. that makes perfect sense Now the last thing that really intrigues me is probably no one cares about but me is like the the third string quarterback battle between drones and C.J. Rogers. And I'm a C.J. Rogers guy. I think he was (laughs) under-recruited coming out of Argyle because of COVID. He couldn't go to camps. And had he gone to camps, he would have had a D1 scholarship offer. So what I have heard from people who have seen him, seen practices is that he's right even with drones, if not a little bit past him so far
2: I still believe in drones
1: I do too I just they don't sleep on C.J. Rogers
2: alright I promise I won't take my C.J. Rogers Ambien
1: yeah cause he's gonna probably get a scholarship and that's why they were okay with not having the quarterback in this class because they they think of him as like the, the 22 like quarterback recruit yeah alright so let's kind of let's get into what people really come here to listen to.
2: The good stuff. The good We're gonna stuff. Get into the good stuff.
1: Let's get into the good stuff. So here's your, your blanket spoiler warning for Moon Knight or and anything that's happened in Marvel from the history of time. Okay, there it is. Jump off now. Glad you stopped by. Now that they're gone, Joe.
2: My theory is correct. They are trying to save money
1: <laughs> you think so you still think so yeah, because i don't know
2: there is there is zero other reason to write in that the monster that he has to fight is invisible to everybody but him. no that's true but like, they you don't do really not, see they are him. Refusing. It's, it's always
1: dark yeah it's Even always in dark fight he's on the rooftop chasing him. so you don't really see him
2: And they're finding an excuse not to put him in the suit and have to show the suit form. Like the fact that when Steven summons the suit, like it was funny, but I'm like, you didn't, you just didn't want to show like the whole seat. Like, I feel like they're just saving money on CGI. That is
1: is comic book accurate too. There is a a version of Moon Knight called Mr. Knight where he wears a suit and he's more like a Batman-esque, like detective. Gotcha. So although it's, it's, it comes across, it comes about differently in the comic books, it's kind of like an homage to that particular, a little Easter egg. Yeah. But yeah. And it was, it was a a, a good way to get like, uh we're going to do a gag in the middle of this fight scene. Here's, here's some jokes.
2: I'm, I'm upset at Mark Spector. Just. It's just tell, just tell Steven that he's the altar. <laughs> I know.
1: Sometimes I get upset at Steven. I was like, bro you obviously don't have the skills needed in this current situation let mark take over yeah, he is he knows what to do
2: not not a good decision maker which is funny because in the comics the Stephen grant alter is supposed to be a billionaire
1: but yeah it's kind of, it's, it's more like batman in the comic books he's a right. billionaire
2: and it's not know, near supernatural ego. like there are yeah. supernatural pieces but he doesn't have powers in the comics, for most of, most of the time, but I think yeah. there, I think there are some like variants where he gets more powerful if there's a full moon. Um, but I'm pretty sure he creates his own suit. It's not, it's not something that like forms on his body and yeah, like summons a,
1: it. You know, like the mummy, wraps yeah. and all that. I don't know much. I've what I, what I do know. I've just done research. I didn't read comic books. I did, or I didn't read Moon Knight. So I really don't know from firsthand experience.
2: Yeah. I've just read about. Them.
1: Yeah. So I've, yeah, I've just done research to read about it prior to the show coming out. I will say this though. Um, I think Oscar Isaac is just absolutely like killing it, especially when he's doing this acting against himself, like in these reflections.
2: Oh, he's great. He's so, he's, he's just a doing the such
1: good. I can't, because I'm compelled watching this interaction between these two people, but I forget like, this is the same actor. Playing both I, parts.
2: I bought more into Ethan Hawke this episode too. I think I, he's a
1: good, compelling vi- uh, villain for sure. I
2: wasn't sure about him episode one. I just felt like he didn't fit. And, but this episode, I liked him more.
1: Yeah, and then you introduce Layla, which I guess we heard her in episode one, but we can't actually, she comes into and holds her own. She's capable for
2: sure. You know what one complaint I have, though, is I I don't know how many times Marvel is going to do the same plot because or uh, sorry, the same villain motivation, essentially, because like Ultron, his motivation was like, I got to save the planet by getting rid of the thing that's destroying it. So I'm going to get rid of people. And then Thanos, it was the same idea, like the universe is falling apart because there's too many there's too many people. So I'm getting rid of it to save it. And now the motivation of this character is I'm, uh, I'm judging the people that are eventually going to be evil and killing to purify them the world. so that the world is, yeah. Like it's all about like, you know, misguided desire to save the world in an evil way is, is it seems yeah. to be the, the over and it's over. Kind of the same plot
1: also is like a minority report.
2: Oh, it is. Yeah. It's definitely minority. hundred percent like, It's like, like,
1: um, it's like a, a precog and, you know, we're going to get people before they commit crimes.
2: Yeah, it's you know, I did find it hilarious, but surprising. It kind of went against the grain of the character that they had established on who Stephen Grant was as very non-confrontational and not opinionated, but it was still funny when he was like, So you guys are cool with killing kids? Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> I draw he's like, I draw the line at child murder.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I f- I found that an amusing scene for sure, but I was also like, I don't know if if the character that you've established this guy is would actually be that way, but okay, I'll take it.
1: Also like this little like um lair. I mean, it gave off very uh, culty vibes. Yeah. Like they were watching like dolphins or something. I don't know what they're watching.
2: Yeah, they were watching dolphins with headphones on.
1: That's odd. So yeah, wasn't I was it's a sketch, sketch place. Um Ethan Hawk is definitely a creepy dude.
2: Very, very creepy dude. Or Arthur Carroll
1: is the character's name, but um, I think it was a good second episode. I mean, I think it was, pr- it's probably, except for like Loki's, it was probably one of the better second episodes of the Marvel TV shows or the Disney plus Marvel shows.
2: Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't have, have I an, I don't have an was, issue with it. It's not my favorite.
1: Loki is probably still be my
2: favorite because Loki. Oh, yeah, Loki, Loki Loki's on. far and away my favorite. I still think just based off of two episodes, I still think I like um, Falcon and Winter Soldier better than those two.
1: This episode was better than the second episode of that show. I'm trying to remember; I've only seen it once, so I'm trying to recall. But I, I want to say, and maybe it's just because I'm, I like the what I like the job that Oscar Isaac is doing so much. I'm maybe forgiven a lot of critiques.
2: That's but fair. Oscar Isaac is crushing it.
1: Yeah, so it's like I'm just so like I just want to see what he does with his character. Then they end up in like he's the, pyramids i was like oh yeah this is what i'm here for
2: i mean and you knew that was gonna happen like i was like he's gonna wake yeah. up in Egypt. like
1: i want to say i remember thinking mark.
2: in my head when it showed like his apartment i was like he's gonna open the window and the pyramids are gonna be right there. oh
1: yeah, oh, yeah even though that's that not what it
2: looks like in egypt but
1: <laughs> when he's walking towards the window i was like oh we're about to see the pyramids
2: yep got to but i did enjoy the um the storage facility scene where the lights are coming off and on when he uh when he basically that, confronts Konsu for the first time.
1: Yeah. That was that one scene, you know, like when he finally like he's running and then Konshu like appears in front of him and kind of turns his head and he screams and he kind of like frees the frame.
2: I, I I did enjoy that. That was really well done.
1: It's just such well, I like they'd said they're gonna kind of do some like horror um type of things, which it hasn't really been a scary show, but they do things like that, like with the blinking lights and like the one, episode one, where he's in an elevator and you see him coming towards him. It's kind of the mm. same thing. But throwing these horror elements in there that make it um, a different Marvel show than other ones. Because Falcon and Winter Soldier was like a straight up like, it
2: was just action. Marvel show. Yeah, it was just an action movie. That's all it is. Yeah.
1: Just
2: six-hour action
1: movie. This is going to be a little bit more action-adventure mixed with like Egypt. Gods, cosmic, just a bunch of stuff.
2: And for people that don't do any research on the character, trying to figure out what the hell is going on with Moon Knight, yeah, this you know, you don't realize that he's legitimately got dissociative identity disorder
1: for sure. If you didn't do any research and you're like just a casual, you you may be out of it, you may be out of this show by now,
2: yeah, yeah. For those that haven't done the research and are still listening, yes, he. Mark Spector, the the person that is Moon Knight, has a uh, um, I guess you would call what you would call a mental illness, uh, yeah. and has alters, which uh, Stephen Grant is one of, and in the comics he has many, actually more than more than one. Yeah, and
1: I, th- I think they're doing a pretty good job of handling that well, without being insensitive. To yeah, they're not. It doesn't. It
2: seems particular. that they are trying to um, portray it realistically and not use it as a trope or uh, a joke or making it yeah. funny or as like a way to make things scary. Like it's confusing to the to the viewer, I think. But I think there's chaos probably involved with somebody that experiences that that illness. Well, I think, and i think they're doing a good job of representing yeah
1: him. and i think the way like he loses time it's not like you said like a trope you see in other shows where where they you know flash back and forth where he's like steven loses time loses days because he this other personality was in control right so to speak but also i like the way they do with the, the mirror work or the reflection work to where these are kind of like he's going on in his head his I also voices. like.
2: I, I said earlier, like, come on, just just explain to the alter ego, like, what's actually happening here, and 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 who he is. But I do find it, from a character point of view, the fact that he's trying to keep his alter, like, he's trying to like let him down easy, and not quite let him know exactly what's happening all at once. Like, it's almost like, it, it's almost like he cares about the other person living in his head.
1: You Not know, yet. Yeah, he, he'd have to set up this way to keep it that way because, like in episode one, where he the fish has two fins. Obviously, Mark had gone and got another fish. Yeah. I don't know. How, you know, it makes you think, like, how many fish has he gone through? Because she's like, I told you yesterday, you know. So, I mean, he'd gone back to try to set up so, so Steven doesn't know
2: right and and I do get the vibe, like he keeps saying stuff like, you know, hey, just let me do this once we finish this, you know i I'll, I'll be gone forever. I think he said that, and so it makes me wonder if like his grand plan is get it over with, do what he's supposed to do, sever himself from this Egyptian <laughs> God, and then give his give his mind up to this this uh, I guess I would call it a pacifist alter ego,
1: well, I think it's also like. They'll probably both be dead because it's the one body. Because well, say, says he's more in a corp. you're no more than a corpse when I found you.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, it, and that's true in the lore behind this. I believe he's he's
1: dead,
2: dying or dead right next to like a shrine or the yeah. tomb of Conscious. And Conscious brings him back to life and says, You're you will be like my fist and my vengeance. Yeah,
1: yeah so, um. It's interesting. I'm enjoying it so far.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm going to keep watching. I think it yeah. could be better and I do think they're cheaping out on us.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- it has to ratchet up a little bit or they're saving for the for the last two episodes cuz I do know How the many critics, episodes are in this season? There's 6. The critics it? got the first four. Okay. So, after 4, everyone no one knows what happens in 5 and 6. Gotcha. Okay. But I think they do. They're, you're you're going to slowly ratchet up uh, to that, you know, penultimate episode in the finale. Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, I'm going to watch every episode. But Let me
1: tell you, they got me. I mean, I'm not. I mean,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm hooked. I'm 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 waiting for Kenobi, though. I'll be honest.
1: Oh, for sure. And then um, before then, you have like Doctor Strange movie comes out beginning of May.
2: I'm so. watching Halo right now too.
1: So how is that? I haven't watched it yet.
2: You know, like I'm gonna keep watching it just because I wanna see what happens, but I don't know, they uh they've already done something here in episode three that goes against like a base piece of lore in the game. So I'm like, why did you do it? It's almost like in the um in the Spider-Man movies where he has it like naturally instead of his cartridges in the, in the Tobey Maguire ones. Yeah. And I, and it was just like, why, why make that change? Like just keep it the same as the comics and the cartoons and every bit of Spider-Man ever. Yeah. He, he, he makes, that's part of who he is. He makes his web shooters. Um, I, I was like, I was like, why did you change that? And so there was something similar to that with master chief that that had just happened in, in episode three. I won't spoil anything. Um, where I'm just like, why Why'd you do it that way? Like, there's already an explanation for why that happens in the games. Um, I think they're doing a good job, I guess, of representing um, the characters from the games. I'm, I still don't know how bought in I am on the plot so far. I, you know, essentially, uh, without giving anything away, I, like, we're at like a precursor to knowing about the Halo rings. Like, there's mm-hmm. now like inklings that these things might exist, but we don't know what they are or whatever. Um, it is cool seeing the Covenant in a TV show and how they're being represented. Um, I've only I think they've only shown elites so far. Um I don't know if they've showed grunts yet. I can't remember, but they've shown a lot of elites. Um and there's some fan service in it too. Like in the first episode, there's like a couple of cool things. Like he gets shot up, he Master Chief gets shot at, and um his shields go down and it's the same sound effects from the video game. Like the do, 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 Like, and so it was like, oh, that's cool. And the guns they use are like all the same guns from the game. So it's like, okay, this is neat. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's not horrible. It's not as bad as you'd kind of expect, probably from a, a video game piece of media. That's not a video game. Uh, so yeah, I'll keep going with it and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything else that I'm, like, locked in on right now. So. Just... I'm watching,
2: yeah, I'm watching Moon Knight, I'm watching Halo, I'm watching Winning Time.
1: Winning Time, that's that's the only other thing that I'm, we're watching, like, every episode is is Winning Time.
2: I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Because, like, I ju- just before we recorded this, I watched the latest episode of Halo. I watched Moon Knight yesterday. I watched winning time on Sunday. And so, yeah, I guess that's the three main things I'm watching, right? Which is, it's a lot for me to have three shows going.
1: Yeah. Like normally I'm a shill for like Disney plus shows. So it's like, whatever is, whether it's star Wars or Marvel, like I'm locked in on that. It's even, it's rare for me to have two shows. Like I'm doing winning time on Sundays and Wednesdays. I got. Moon Knight. Right. Um, but then it's gonna be wild, is because like, whenever Obi wan does come out, I think it's May twenty fifth or twenty. They they pushed it up to Friday, so May twenty seventh. Like the week later, like Miss Marvel is also coming out.
2: Yeah, they, there's so they're gonna getting into summer. On. We're getting into the period where movies are gonna start coming out. So
1: yeah. So anything else going on? You reading anything? Reading any books?
2: No, no books for me uh, right now. I'm just, dude. I am just overworked at the moment and uh, doing baby stuff and yeah. trying to spend time with the family and managing work-life balance. It's just been a, yeah. it's been a heavy couple of weeks.
1: This is kind it's of work. the the time where I get a lot of like the family time because during football season it's it's kind of occupied with. I want to watch a lot of football, so weekends are kind of don't get a utilize a lot of time on the weekends with the family. So spring summer, that's kind of, that's what we do. It's like, we plan stuff. My daughter's birthday is this weekend. So we got a big thing going on. So that's kind of where we're at.
2: Yeah. My son turns one in two weeks. So we got his, we got his first birthday party coming up.
1: That's a big deal. The first one is, You know, are y'all going to get a cake and let him like just destroy it?
2: Yeah, my wife's best friend loves baking. So she is she's making him a uh, as they call it a smash cake.
1: Yes. They just put it get put in front of him and just let him go to town.
2: Yeah, that's and he will have no problem doing that.
1: So that's what we did with when my my oldest daughter when she turned one. And I think we had a friend make it as well. And it was like hot pink and black. <laughs> and this like icing like stained her skin, so we had to like she had to, like take a bath and like wipe like pink off of her like arms and face. And I was like, "It's not coming up." Like we tried to just wipe it off in 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 real time. Was, like like, oh, it? "It's she's still pink." <laughs> so, like we, she has to go immediately into the bathtub.
2: You dyed my daughter.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's still pink. So that was fun, and she turns thirteen. On Saturday, so,
2: yeah, you're an old man with your yeah. your Santa Claus white beard.
1: I know I need to shave it.
2: You're gonna get some just for men.
1: No, I'm not that type of
2: guy. You are two toned. I mean, you're you're it's, you're, it's com-
1: salt and pepper for sure.
2: Some on the on spots
1: the, have more salt than pepper.
2: Yeah, I would say it's definitely more salt than pepper, except for the soul patch, which still maintains its youthful color.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think. Normally I don't dye it because that's like it is what it is.
2: Yeah, I've never dyed my hair. I am I am I am starting to go gray on top though pretty quickly.
1: So I got I this have... like temple thing going on where it's like gray my temples. <laughs> you them.
2: will you will be able to not now but in 20 years you'll be able to make some side money at the Santa Claus. Yeah. When you, when you, cause your face still looks young. So, but when you, when you start getting old, you've got the glasses, you've got the white beard. You're not tiny. You could, no. you could, you could don a red suit and, and pull off Santa in, in the next decade or so.
1: I don't have the, um the joy part of that whole scenario though.
2: You don't have to have joy. You have to just sit there. You just have to sit there and get your picture taken a thousand times. I'd be like,
1: like the Santa Claus. And
2: if I told you you got Christmas paid, story. what if I, if you got paid a thousand dollars to be Santa for four hours, would you do it?
1: Are there children involved?
2: Yeah. Like you got to take pictures of no, kids no. for four hours, but you get a thousand. I've,
1: I've come to a realization, um, being around like toddlers, I think I don't like children.
2: You just like yours.
1: I can like mine are fine. <laughs> they were whenever they were that age. But, you know, that was like 10 years ago. Now I'm to the point where like,
2: I gotta I think get you're out just, you, I think you're just old now. I got to get and out of here. This is <laughs> the way to you. You're just to get off my lawn, old man. Now
1: <laughs> and I, I'm okay with it. I'm like that with a lot of stuff. My
2: yeah, wife will you be know, like, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I
1: want to go and like, listen to music. i like, man, it's really loud in those places. <laughs> <laughs> i can't talk to people it's like i can't have a conversation so yeah i think it's just i'm just old
2: yeah i think i think that's what it is I, i'll get there someday i'll meet you yeah save me a spot
1: then you could just oh. be this is the best time of your life It's <laughs> like oh i don't want to do anything i don't want to do yeah
2: i want to sleep i don't want to do that
1: well i don't get to sleep still but
2: yeah nobody gets maybe to sleep someday i want to sleep someday that'd be great Joe, that's all that i hope? got yeah man uh that's that's all i got too um where can the people find you Matt?
1: i uh, find me on twitter at matt d workman and uh, you can find the podcast on twitter at the end pod
2: how about you uh you can find me at the underscore joe underscore goodman on twitter and of course you can also find me on uh at the end pod uh, as well um, and Matt didn't say this, but can, you can also find him on his Instagram cow, which is at I like Christmas more than Thanksgiving, because he's Santa Claus. So
1: That is not accurate information. <laughs> Roger. Right, until Matthew, next time. Man.
2: Until next time.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.